Hi, and welcome to another episode of A Shot Glass of Recovery. Oh, no, wait a second. How do we open the two sober chicks one? Uh, I don't know. It's been so long. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, as you can tell, Lisa and I are sort of together. We're together on speakerphone. Um, hi, and welcome to another episode of Two Sober Chicks. Oh, no, I know. Hi, I'm Julie. <laughs> and I'm Lisa. And this is Two, two Sober, sober Chicks. Oh, wow, it's been that long that we can't remember how we started our show. Reunited and it feels so good. <laughs> oh, we I'm going to let you do all the solos. We so apologize. We know how much you guys love us together. We hear about it whenever you haven't heard us together in a while. So this is Lisa's idea today. She's up north in the beautiful crisp fall weather, and we're just chatting. Yeah, we've basically been chatting for 30 minutes while I ate my whatever, lunch, brunch, breakfast. We were literally talking about something like super spiritual and heavy and all of a sudden Lisa went, mmm, do you love fried potatoes? (laughs) (laughs) I just started laughing. A little little bit of the ADD. (laughs) And I'm like, yes, yes, I do, Lisa. Just laughed. For some people, it's shiny things. For me, it's food. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> they were good though they were very good fried potatoes probably the best i've ever made what's really cute is i um, i don't even know if you know this about yourself lisa but if you eat with lisa every once in a while you hear her very quietly go mm. <laughs> no i didn't know that you do <laughs> <laughs> i love learning things about myself that only intimate people know like my wife will tell me um she talks to me. She's awful this way. She talks to me in my sleep while she's awake. Apparently, I mumble a lot in my sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, like at one point when I was going through really stressful job training, I would wake up and say what I was doing for my for my <laughs> course and then talk about like going to work and eating and sleeping and then going to work again. And that's all I did. And then I went right back down to sleep again. But because she knows I'm in that sort of semi-lucid state, she'll start asking me questions. What were you saying about work? What happened at work? <laughs> and and I answer. <laughs> so it's a good thing I'm an honest person today and I don't cheat. <laughs> I, I know. Would be I think we all sort of secretly do that. Like my husband is very quiet when he sleeps. Hallelujah. Um, he doesn't snore. He doesn't talk like really rarely but the moments that he does talk in his sleep there is that side of me that's like oh who are you talking to what bitch do i have to kill tomorrow (laughs) yeah and apparently i'm a mumbler too like i moan i moan in my sleep too so just little like yeah i do this (laughs) he's like oh god are you okay yeah it's okay someone was killing me or last oh, yeah. night, I had a drinking dream, which is like, when does that stop happening? Never. <laughs> I mean, well, how long did you drink for? Seven years. Oh, okay. I drank for a lot longer than that. I think I drank for more than half my life. So I expect them to last <laughs> for another 15 years. Oh. I, I think it's that memory behavior. Yeah. You know? Thank God when I wake Uh, up, I'm like, oh, thank God I didn't drink. Because it's always the same. It's I'm drinking, but I'm not going to tell anyone, and I'm going to keep my dry date. uh, Yeah. I talked about that in the last uh, online chat that I did, online talk, 
um, I was supposed to be the speaker for like two minutes and then everybody went really fast because the medallions were online and mm-hmm. I had 35 minutes to talk and it, and I was all over the place because I was like, normally what I do is I pray and I ask God to speak for me and to speak through me. And so I don't worry about it, but I didn't do that this time because I thought, ah, it's two minutes. I'm just going to talk about like step one. <laughs> And I'm going to talk to the newcomer. And next thing you know, I am rambling. I was totally all over the place. I don't even know if I made any sense. Um, I didn't even tell my story. I was just talking about program and how it has changed me. But I was nervous because I hadn't prayed before. Uh... It was the most bizarre talk ever. But I did talk about, about that. So anyway, here we are together in the closet. And I said, uh, I told Julie once I got out of the closet, I would never go back in. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we are having difficulty getting together to do a podcast live to record it with our microphone. So I guess this is the next best thing. So you'll have to suffer along with us while I'm on the phone and Julie's in her closet recording. Well, people are going to be thrilled. So we had a couple of topic ideas today. Um, One, you wanted to talk about this article you read. So why don't we start with that? Okay, it's so good. So it's from The Atlantic, and the title is The Irrationality of Alcoholics Anonymous. And the subtitle is, Its Faith-Based 12-Step Program Dominates Treatment in the United States, But Researchers Have Debunked Central Tenets of AA Doctrine and Found Dozens of Other Treatments More Effective. I'm just trying to look at the date that this was published. It's so hard with 1939? <laughs> no? I'm just scrolling down to the bottom to see. I'm already angry. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody disses my baby. Gabrielle Glasser or Glaser is the um, author. Oh, April 2015 issue. Okay. April 2015. Yeah. Like, so. Okay. Is, um, is, what's her name? April, what's her name? Rachel Glaser? Gabriel Glasser or Glaser. G-L-A-S-E-R. Is Gabriel an alcoholic? I don't know. I don't then remember. I have no. I have no need to listen to anything Gabriel says. <laughs> but she has done quite a lot of research on addiction counseling. She has read many books written by people who have been to AA. Um, she's looked at the DSM-5. Uh, she's gone to, like, Finland to study how treatment works in other places. Like, it's very well-researched. Um and, and looked at how there's dozens of other treatments and how they're often more effective. She also gives case studies of people that went to AA and didn't get it and then were like, they were traumatized by AA. I don't want to laugh. They were traumatized by AA and their approach and that made them drink more and then led them to hopelessness because they because of how we talk about rarely as a person failed who was thoroughly follow our steps. Um, mm-hmm. They also talked about the research isn't like we have a double digit success rate in AA. It's way lower. It's like three to five percent. Um, and it talks about but how, how do they know? How do they know that? Where do they get that statistic from? An anonymous program. Well, that's part of one of the issues that I had, and it talks yeah. about the membership not being what it is. Um, how when AA was discovered, we did was. Um, established we didn't know that much about brain scientists sorry brain science and neuroscience 
So it's a really well-written article, but the problem is, you know, I've been to world conferences where you see 30 to 50,000 happy, joyous, and free alcoholics. And even if that's like 3 or 5%, that's one life saved, your life, my life. Mm-hmm. That's the important thing. And you can't tell those of us that are in the program and not even been to a world conference, been to the ORC, been to a, an eight-person meeting where someone's like, I have been saved from the ravages of my addiction through AA. That's enough. And we're not saying it works for everybody. We're not no. Bill and Bob. But we're saying in our experience, those of us who don't stop trying eventually get it. It's the promises. Like, don't stop until the miracle happens. This can happen for you. So you can't dispute that because it's real lived experience. It just doesn't work for some people. And whether that's they, because it's on them or not, like... I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Um, well, I was also thinking too, like about um, uh, Doctor Young. Oh yeah, you, you might you might remember the famous <laughs> psychiatrist <laughs> Doctor Young. I don't know. Maybe maybe a lot of people don't know him, but um, I mean, I never knew him personally. But I think that name in uh, the psychiatric world carries a lot of weight. Um, and he was one of the people who is often talked about in our program because we based some of our, our beginnings on uh, an association with one of our members of Alcoholics Anonymous who actually went overseas to seek treatment from the famous psychologist, Dr. Young, um, who talked about, um, who tried to treat this guy, sent him home cured. The guy came back after drinking on the train, after he left mm-hmm. treatment from one of the greatest world-renowned psychiatrists. And uh, he went back and said, you know, doctor, like, what's wrong with me? And it was Dr. Young who said, you know, I've heard of this, um, that maybe you need a spiritual approach. And he talked about the uh, the tenets of, um, I guess, what was the Oxford group at the time, and the spiritual tenets and principles, and how we need to undergo. And he said that that's what he was trying to do with this patient, was that he was trying to get them to undergo some sort of um, uh, psychological um, uh, rebirth or a twist, um, a change of their thinking and a change of their behavior. And he said, and this is what this um, this spiritual process does for people. And um, and then that's basically the root of our program is a change in the thinking and a change in the behavior. And one of the biggest changes, I mean, I'm, I went from being a person who doesn't believe in God um, to believing in a power greater than myself and uh, a, a nameless higher power for me and, and learning how to pray and surrender and ask something greater for help. And that was one of the things that helped me. So it's this interesting mix, I find, of psychology, psychiatry, psychology, and spirituality that works. And I believe that's what AA is. Um, You and I, everybody knows Jesus Jesus is number one guy for Julie. Julie's my Jesus freak. Mm -hmm. And and I'm a person who um, doesn't uh, align with any one particular religious organization, but I believe in spirituality and I believe in higher power. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that is another beautiful thing about this program. Here's two people who have what some people might think are opposing beliefs, but yet we get along and we agree on a lot and we focus on the thing that we agree on, which is that um, we think uh, AA works, recovery works, we're proof that recovery works. 
Um, so I would say that um, she missed a, a, a big part that um, there is a lot of psychology uh, in AA, but we're not professionals, but we get our roots from that understanding of having to change your behavior and change your thinking. Um, I can also say for myself that I went to years of counseling and years of therapy, which they do a lot of in rehab. I never had the opportunity to go to rehab, um, but I did see therapists year after year after year. But the problem was that I was missing the truth factor or the honesty factor. And I was always focusing on what other people did instead of what's my part in things. And AA gave me that. So why anyone would spend time debunking something that has helped millions Mm-hmm. of people recover from a hopeless state of mind and body, a slavery to a substance uh, boggles me. I'm not really mad. I mean, some people will read that and go, yeah, AA sucks, and that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. And I hope those people never need AA. But for the people that do need it and have found it, I think that it works. And if it doesn't work for you, I hope that you do find a rehab or a treatment or a psychiatric process that works for you. I don't think um, drugs are the solution. And I know a lot of people that when they go to rehab, they get pumped full of all kinds of drugs. Like C- the CBD now is the new thing. Um, and all these other, then they start giving them narcotics to sleep and sleeping pills. And um, just like, that wouldn't work for this alcoholic because I'm cross addicted. Mm-hmm. So, okay, you tell me I'm an alcoholic and I can't drink alcohol, but if I don't change my thinking and my behavior, I'm still going to be looking for an outside source yeah. to help <clears throat> to help me cope with life. And if it's not a power greater, it's going to be a drug because that's still a power greater than me. And ending my monologue now, so you can jump <laughs> in. <laughs> no, I, I like everything you said. You know, um, we're not saying that it works for everyone. But how many people have you seen where they try everything? They try naltrexone, they try Suboxone, which is really helpful in helping people wean off of alcohol or drugs. Um, But they've tried therapy, they've tried treatment, and then all of a sudden they try AA and they're like, holy shit, nothing else worked. It doesn't mean that the cumulative knowledge and experience they have didn't play a part in it. but. We can't deny what we see happening in the rooms with very helpless cases. This article points out a little bit about how people feel shame at sharing the worst moments in their life where they couldn't identify with the guy that, like, hijacked a plane and, you know, crashed it into the ground. And that's just like a small glimpse of what we hear in the rooms. Like, I've had by a friend of ours, (laughs) I've had my alcoholism question by other people because my story isn't crazy like it's very (laughs) sort of housewife-y but having a disregard towards the emotional and spiritual demise or darkness or hopelessness or the the spiritual bankruptcy inside but like it's for all people all over the world did I do I wish that it would be more ethnic Do I wish that we'd see more colors in the room? Of course I do. But there's also cultural things behind that, like especially with um, people of an Indian background, like the shame, um, Persian background, like you just you wouldn't find your way into the rooms as much as like, you know, the Americas or the or Europe or those other places. So, yeah, I agree with you. It was, you know, from an intellectual perspective, this is a very compelling article, but it's lacking the spiritual component. It's all about like numbers and research and statistics. And it's like, 
which is a very new thing in our Western 21st century kind of living. Did, like, Did you say statistics, Julie? Oh, fuck. Okay, <laughs> Lisa is going to send me a letter bomb right now. We've had a little bit of a... I sent a picture, like I follow this satire site, and it was um, this joke about like, according to statistics... Oh, hands and feet are now banned because according to statistics, they're responsible for more deaths than all gun deaths combined in the U.S., says the FBI. And Lisa sent a 30-page a essay on why she hates statistics. And one of our members of our group was like, I think it was a joke. And Lisa's like, I don't care. I still fucking hate statistics. So I just realized that I brought up statistics less than 24 hours after that text chain. That's right. And you know, it's, it's funny. I'm going to jump in about um, perception. Mm -hmm. Because I think our friend jumped in to defend you because she too heard my text in the voice that you just mimicked, which was an angry voice. <laughs> and I'm laughing because I wasn't angry at all. I was just like, oh, I fucking hate statistics. And I gave my opinion on what I think about statistics and that I think they can be skewed and both sides use statistics. So... Um, like of any argument, whatever the argument is, whether it's political or, um, you know, gun violence or uh, far left, far right, everybody uses statistics. So I was just saying what I felt about statistics and I wasn't angry, but both of you heard my voice as an angry voice. That's hilarious. That is funny. I guess I came off my writing, which is another reason why I don't like to text, because um, I think people often misunderstand or misconstrue. Um, the feeling behind, which is why I love that little voice thing on your phone with text messages now, because people mm -hmm. can hear that in my voice. Mm -hmm. Hey, this is me just ripping on statistics. I think they're stupid. And then you'd be like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> instead of, Lisa's on a crazy rant. <laughs> well, I <laughs> think it, that the, the thing with the statistics is that it doesn't take into account a very humanistic or spiritual... Um, valid experience. So like you can throw out statistics all day long, but you can't put statistics on God or people's recovery or their complete change of personality or the fact that they've been sober now when they've been drinking every day of their life for 40 years. So it's really all about personal experience. And we are two people of perhaps millions that have recovered from a hopeless state of mind and body because of the gift of this program. So it's worked for us. And that's all we ever say on this podcast is we don't represent any views but our own. We are not doctors. We are not addiction specialists. We are just two yeah. people that got recovery and are so grateful that we just want to talk about it and we want other people to get it too. Yeah. And if you get sober any other way, my hat is off to you. Yes. Congratulations, and I'm thrilled for you. And I've said that to people who have I've sponsored, and they've walked away and said, "Ah, oh, this isn't working for me. I'm like, I'm going to try something else." And I hope that that works for you. That is my honest to goodness hope that that works for you. And if that gets sober, if you get sober that way, I'd love to hear about it. Yeah, because maybe if, if it's not if it is not working for somebody else, I might be able to say, "Hey, well, why don't you go talk to so and so because they got um, healthy through this way." Yeah, like I know people that got cut sober through smart recovery. I mean, it doesn't appeal to me 
um, because it's not 12-step based, because it's not based, as far as I'm aware of, with any kind of spirituality. But it's based on the premise of, like, what are your values and how are your behaviors contributing to or working against your values? And they have, like, sort of their own kind of group um, forum where they talk to each other. I think that's great. There are some people who miraculously one day just were like, I'm not drinking or or drugging anymore or behaving. Like you and I have seen the ravages in our own life and other people's life enough to know whatever it fucking is, whatever worked for you, praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah. That's the good news. That's the good news. That is the good news. I was looking to see if I could find the reference to um, Dr. Young in the big book, but I'll have to find it after we're done recording. It's in the doctor's opinion, right? I think so. We can we can talk about it in the next podcast. But yeah, that okay. was so you know what? And and that's again, I can't stop talking about the changes that AA has given me. Um, because in the past I would have read an article like that or you would have brought it up and talked about it and I would have been angry. Or you would have brought up a statistic and I would have been angry. But instead I can actually just have a conversation with people today. And the cool thing is is I no longer feel um that I need to convince people of my uh, way of thinking or my opinion. This is my way of thinking. This is my opinion. This is what works for me. And if you don't like it, that's okay. You're allowed to have your own opinion. If And if that works for you, then that's fantastic. And if it doesn't work for you, that's none of my business either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, uh, it's allowed me to um, be a, a functioning member of society. I mean, I guess I was a sort of functioning member of society before, um, but I was a lot more volatile, for sure. Um, which leads us to our next podcast, because I'd like to talk about my speeding ticket from the other day. Okay, so we'll end there. And we have at least two more topics we wanted to cover in this one that we'll bring into probably one or two subsequent others. So thanks a lot for joining us again. I know it's been a long time, and we're happy to be together, even though it's in the closet. I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. And this has been Two Sober Chicks.